right. I am joined for the uh, Hoop Heads edition of Spilling Buckets. I'm joined by Kyle Vaughn, Robbie Herman, and Gabe Seidman. If we want to just tell the quick story of uh, how this foursome began is a uh, Knicks-Grizzlies game. Over a year ago, this is actually the first time I've seen Robbie and Gabe, seen their faces in over a year. If you guys want to just jump in as you guys wet your beak on the uh, on the airwaves. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, pumped to be here. Uh, just just like your dad said, shout out Stevie J. I'm a little, little bit nervous, um, but all I do is watch hoops, talk about hoops, text you guys about hoops. So shouldn't be a problem. I know Gabe's been kind of shitting his pants for a few weeks now. So you, you feeling OK, Gabe? I'm feeling great. I appreciate you guys having us on. Yeah, I'm happy that Kyle came up with this idea to have you guys on. Just to give a quick explanation, so we went to the Knicks-Grizzlies game um, over a year ago. This was after the sad passing of Kobe Bryant and quickly realized that our passion for the NBA is uh, a rarity as far as how into it we are. And since then, I've been texting pretty much nightly about this league. Robbie, if you want to just jump in and explain that night, at least for me, I struggled that night to, uh, to behave a little bit, keeping my uh, emotions in, calling uh, Coach Mike Miller at the time a puppet, but at least they did replace him with Tibbs. I was going to ask if you wanted to, to speak to that story or, or if we were keeping it under wraps. But um, yeah, I mean, the backstory here is that uh, Gabe and I are actually best friends with Ryan's older brother, Tyler. Uh, so one night, the night we're talking about, I think Tyler and Steve – uh, your guy's dad got stuck at work. Me and Gabe got the call. Um, the four of us met at either Lucy's or local outside the yep. garden. And, uh, you know, we just started talking hoops. I think we, we had some weird prop bets on John Morant, like over 18.5 points. We had and Dylan Brooks that night too. We hit it in the first we, half. We had Dylan Brooks. So yeah, I mean, as Ryan said, we kind of just, you know, hoop heads recognize hoop heads. Um, Absolutely. So, I wanted so, to, uh, I wanted to jump right into this. So Wait, Going I think we gotta season. go. We gotta go a little bit deeper into that. that All right, go deeper, Kyle. Because I mean, we are a pretty <laughs> unlikely foursome when you look at it. Um, you know, weren't necessarily hanging out all the time. I know you guys were buddies with Tyler, obviously growing up, and we shared our time on the court or the field. But uh, it was an unlikely union, and I think uh, you know, it was those beers over at local or Lucy's, like you said. Um, you know, you get a nice buzz on before the game, and then the buzz of when you're walking into the garden, you know, you're with your buddies. Can't beat it. Well, Kyle, I'm glad you brought that up because I neglected to mention the fact that Robbie and Gabe had the idea that night to remember Kobe Bryant with eight 24 ounces split between the (laughs) two of us, me and you and Robbie and Gabe. And at my 145 pound frame, I couldn't really, uh, couldn't keep my emotions in about the frustration of the team. You were asking about whether or not this was offense the entire game. Oh, but yeah. now, now we've got an exciting Knicks team. I wanted to, I wanted to get into. It was also the legendary uh, sell the team. It was, yeah. To, well, that's oh, where yeah. cracking skulls left and right. Um, and we thought we thought you were going to be. Uh, we thought I was a culprit. Yeah, and we did get asked to leave, I believe. <laughs> I we got asked to leave, and then they took it back. Um, all right, so <laughs> I wanted to get into who our current finals favorite who our our favorite is because obviously heading into the season it was the Lakers I wanted to just ask you guys as we stand right now and do our mid-season review who your favorite is to win the title if we want to start with Gabe I guess right now I'm 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 leaning nets to be honest um I mean it's just gonna be hard to beat those guys in seven games 
Um, so right now I have, I'm thinking Lakers nets. Um, and I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm really excited for the playoffs. I think there's a lot of teams with a lot to prove. Um, so it's going to be, I'm just excited to see how it plays out. And, uh, you know, until someone can take that mantle from LeBron, it's, it's, it's his league. So I think the Nets can do it though. You're on the same page, Robbie. Yeah, I'll take it one step further. I, I think it's, I think it's a lock at this point. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that last year I had the Clippers, so not always right. Too. I'm not always right here, but like as, a lock. as Gabe says, it just, it has that 2017, 2018 Warriors feel where it's just, it's too much to, to beat four times out of seven. And, you know, I'm not too worried about the defensive end. I think all three of these guys have something to prove, you know, you got KD, uh, coming off the Achilles, being doubted, trying to get that third ring. You got uh, Kyrie trying to shed that reputation of being a team cancer, blowing up Boston. And then for Harden, like the only thing that are gonna, that's going to get people to stop talking about his playoff failures is a ring. So, you know, they're all good athletes. Like sometimes they have, they don't try as hard on defense, but when, it, when push comes to shove, I feel like, you know, they'll, they'll be able to get enough stops to that teams just won't be able to keep up. All right, so Robbie says the Nets are a lock. Kyle, you, are we all on the Nets? No, I'm, I'm still on the Lakers. Um, okay. I think just the way they played last year in the bubble, um, you know, there was a storyline going into every every playoff matchup that they had last year. First, it was will Portland, you know, upset them in round one, best eight seed ever. Um, will the small ball Rockets take them down? Can Jokic and Murray contend? And, like, the Heat culture, Pat Riley – and spoke, are they going to exact revenge? But, you know, I think it was like five games or five or six games and it was never overly challenging. Um, and that was really the first time we obviously saw LeBron and AD in the playoffs and it was something to behold. So Gabe, like you said, um, you know, he does have the title for a reason as the, you know, he's the, the top of the mantle. Um, so I'll ride with them. Got to see it to believe it. Um, but it's funny you say, it is like a weird jumbled year with all these teams. And it seems like there's are like more legit contenders than ever, but there was no doubt that we were all either going to say Brooklyn or the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I'm not at a lock for the Nets, but I'm not far from it. And I've been making this point the past few weeks. And my, the reason I like the Nets so much is obviously because of the big three and in the postseason, feels like every time I'm usually pulling for LeBron and those eight to 12 minutes, he's off the floor terrifying because you're afraid of where the points are coming from. And I think what the Nets have that's so lethal is that they're always going to have one of those three guys on the floor. And it, whether it's – say that guy's Harden. They take out – they have Kyrie and Durant on the bench when Harden takes over those minutes with the second unit. Any offense with James Harden is one of the best offenses in the league, so they're not going to lose ground during that time. The people that sit here and say that Philly is going to win the East, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> You guys? I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, <laughs> as well, first of all, again, it, it does come down to that sacrifice and the fact that, you know, even if Harden and KD and Kyrie are getting 16 shots instead of their normal 25, I think they're fine with that if that means getting that ring. Um, as for Philly, like, yeah, they can, they can slow them down. They can slow them down with Matisse and Simmons. But if you have Matisse and Simmons on the court at the same time, how are they going to score on the other side of from the other side of the court and sure you can slow them down, but you can't stop them. They're going to get their 110, 120. And 
I don't know. I, I don't see it in Philly or Milwaukee, but that's just and, me. And Bede would seriously have to get like 40 a game, like 40 and 20. He would well, get 40. I think Philly 40 has again. some moves to make. Philly has some moves to make. They're going to make some trades. Lowry. Um, and, you know, I think they, they got to do something to that roster. And, I mean, to me, the argument against the Nets is that first year, you know, it's a, their brand new big three. It's their first year playing together. And I think historically, like, those big threes in that, in that first year, it usually takes a year or two to get over that hump. I think with LeBron with the Heat, um, with Wade and Bosch, they didn't win it their first year. So that's the only argument I can, I can think of against them right now. I mean, obviously, I think their talent could – just outweigh all of that but I mean to your point Gabe I think that the only thing that could hold the Nets back is if Harden soils himself again in the playoffs which he's done so hopefully we can avoid that if you're pulling for the Nets the thing is Harden doesn't have to be James Harden in the postseason he could be a good player he doesn't need to be special but yeah to the point he can be James Harden up until the last six minutes of the game and then he can just be a corner you know spot shooter yeah. The I mean, other thing I wanted to call out on this too is I'm, I'm always pulling for LeBron and this happened. We'll get to this later on. This kind of happened with not appreciating Curry as much as I should, but rooting against the Nets is just going to be a miserable experience. It's funny. I, yeah. you know, as, as huge, as huge uh, Knicks fans last July when, you know, they spurned us and, and went to Brooklyn instead of Manhattan, Gabe and I were together and we were talking about just how we're going to hate their guts and now watching, like, it's hard. They're just it's hard. so fun to watch. <laughs> They're so good. Well, that's why I was frustrated when Harden went there because I was finally able to root for Durant because I couldn't root for him in, in uh, Golden State because I thought their team was too stacked and I didn't like him going there. But I loved watching him in Brooklyn yeah. with just Kyrie because he wasn't really the favorite. And now it's like a cop-out again that he has Harden. The problem is rooting against Durant is just almost impossible as a basketball fan. He, his game is perfect. Especially so coming off the injury too, like, and it's not like, you know, he was, he's the main cog of this Nets team. Like, it's not like he jumped again to like a different super team. You know, this is the one that he built himself and he is coming off the injury, but I totally agree with the sentiment that when push comes to shove and like, if it is the Lakers and the Nets in the finals, it's going to be an anxious experience, but real quick back to the Sixers. I think they had a perfect opportunity to kind of, you know, fix or you know two birds one stone they could have solved the Joel Embiid slash Ben Simmons can't really play together you know they kind of muddle it up like in the paint um they're just not a perfect fit for each other in terms of superstars so they could have fixed that while also adding a player the caliber of James Harden um which could have then put them you know over the top especially with the way Embiid's been playing this year so I don't know if you know, the Rockets just wouldn't deal with Daryl Morey or anything like that. Um, but I think it is going to be a decision that um, will come back to haunt them. Yeah, Kyle, I, uh, I read your article on, on the Spilling Buckets website. Very well done. But it made me think, I, I was already thinking about it, you know, the moment he got traded to Brooklyn. It's just like, I guess we'll never know what was on the table unless Morey confesses in 30 years. But, you know, a lot of the insiders thought that they were – nitpicking over the Tyrese Maxis and Matisse Thibault and, and picks. It was Maxi, wasn't it? It was Maxi. And just, and just think about, I don't, I don't want to seem like a Sixers hater. I, I'll go, I'll, I'll talk oh, about it later on. Sixers hater. 
But uh, it's just, you know, think about five years from now, if the Nets are winning championships and, and we're actually saying the sentence that the was, Sixers could have had Harden, except for Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, yeah that's what it's just, I almost want to see them play in the Eastern Conference Finals, although I'm not positive. I mean, people might think this is outlandish. I don't want to sleep on the heat at all, and I'm not positive that we're going to see Philly in that Eastern Conference Final game. But I wanted to move on last, a little bit. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, go ahead. Thing. I also think we were a little – we were all like a – you know, a little bit thrown off by his Houston antics, but our eyes definitely really opened over the course of like his first month back in Brooklyn. Like he's like kind of a hybrid of like all of his best like former selves. Um, you know, the shooter from Houston, the slash and kick from – OKC back in the day, um, he said scary hours, and it, it has been. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about players that we think we'll never see another version of. I I would go out and say that Harden is one of those guys. He has the most unique style of play. And I, I sometimes didn't love him in Houston. I honestly love watching Harden now. But I wanted to get to some of the surprises and disappointments so far in the first half. Maybe if you want to start out with some pleasant surprises, if we want to go around the horn here. Get started with you, Kyle. Sure. Um, so I have a, a little bit of an off-the-cuff one, but I um, just thinking with the the COVID postponements, it was a lot very early on, and it kind of gave you a bad omen for the rest of the season. You know, how many games are they going to be able to play? You know, are they going to have to shorten it to 50 games, 60 games? Like, are they, you know, is the season going to be able to go on? Like, there were multiple teams with, you know, losing multiple games. Um, but it kind of seems like we've ridden that wave. I know, like, we're coming off the All-Star break now, so knock on wood. But um, I think it's overly, you know, it's been positive. Like, there was a rough patch in, in the beginning, but, you know, everyone seemed to sort of figure it out. We haven't missed that many games when you think about it grand scheme. So I think that's a pleasant surprise. I like that. I was thinking teams, but that was unique. I mean, we got to start with the Knicks, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take on. it away. Come on now. I mean, it's got to be the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau, he's he's changed the culture. Um, I just like Julius Randle has completely taken the next step. That's something I will own. I was I was ready to trade his ass uh, this summer, and uh, he has proved me very wrong. Um, you know, there's still some things. Obviously, Alfred Payton is is not the most exciting to watch. They're not the most exciting team to watch by any means. I mean, they're winning with defense, um, you know, but it's it's just been nice to see. It's been nice to see RJ take that next step. Um, and and we're kind of doing it with, you know, a combination of the young guys and the and the vets. So I don't to me that's been that's gotta be the the biggest surprise of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I took mean, the humanitarian view, but I'm fired up on the Knicks too. I was going to go with the Knicks. I feel like we have, we have a bunch of Knicks talks in our in our near future. Uh, but yeah, living with living with Gabe until until Go Bear Night, which is what two nights from now. I think, um, I think four. I think today. Is it? I thought it was, it was the thirteenth. The anniversary. Uh, well, whatever. Oh, today's uh, the anniversary of him touching all the touching. <laughs> no, but but living with Gabe and and the Knicks you know, struggling mightily last year, he was all over Julius. So it's very, it's very nice to see him bounce back. Uh, for my surprise, I was looking through the teams and honestly, to me, it's LaMelo. Um, I don't watch too much New Zealand hoops or even really college hoops these days, but I don't know if it was, you know, Lonzo's struggles early on, but 
I didn't see this coming. You know, I thought the rep was that he was selfish, uh, that he was a chucker, that he wasn't good from deep and he's shooting like 38% from three, getting everyone involved, throwing absurd passes. And that's just a really fun team to watch, especially because of uh, that announcer who just goes absolutely nuts every night. So it's crazy. they've been a joy. My favorite uh, league pass announcer is the, uh, is the Pelicans announcer. I should probably know his name, but I'm in love with him. And I think it's uh, Antonio Daniels, their color guy, who just can't handle his excitement every single game. He hates the rotations that they have for good reason. My surprise, um, I don't know. I was going to go here with that. I'm just pleasantly surprised. I mean, this is an easy pick, but I was on the, I was on the team of not thinking that Zion was going to be an absolute superstar in this league. And I'm, I'm pretty surprised by the way he's played. I didn't think that he could average 25 a night, be this efficient. I didn't think he could pick his free throw percentage up to 70% really over the course of a short off season. And I was one of those people that said he looked out of shape. I don't really think he is that out of shape. And I've been pleasantly surprised by him. The one frustration is moving into a frustration I have is if we knew that Zion was going to be this good, how are the Pelicans this bad is my question. If, defense. Defense. It's defense. But if you look at their – I know it, we know this, but if you look at their roster, Lonzo Ball and Bledsoe are considered good defenders, right? And I understand that Zion and Ingram aren't. The guy on the Pelicans that I can't stand, not to go on a Pelicans tangent, I don't understand why they signed him, it's Steven Adams. And I don't yeah. understand what he brings to the table other than he, he runs back on defense with good form, but I can't stand his game. And that's my frustration. It was a bizarre, it was a bizarre signing. I think they need to lean into Willie Hernan Gomez. He's been good, Billy. He's been really good. I think they need to let him sort of just run with the first unit. I agree. I'm I'm extremely frustrated by the way they've played. And before I before I came on here, I was thinking about the fact that there are so many there are so many duos in this league, and certain of them, certain duos succeed, others don't. So we look at Boston, right? They're 19 and 17. They have Brown and Tatum, these two young studs that are two-way players that seem to continue to get better, right? They're only two games over 500. And then I know they're in their earlier state as Zion and Ingram. I know we've heard a lot of this talk on some of the podcasts that we listen to. What do you guys think about the whole Ingram-Zion might not be the right fit? You think that's – you buy into that at all? I want to ask – I want to ask what you think because it seems like you're the biggest Ingram fan that I know. And I think he's really talented too. Um, but a lot of the chatter has been that he's, you know, he's reluctant to give up the reins to Zion. Um, I think they, they could work together if he starts to realize that, you know, he's, he should be the number two piece. Uh, but what do you think, RJ? Yeah, well, this is what frustrates me just watching them is maybe, maybe there are quotes that imply that Ingram thinks this is his team, but that's not really how he plays. I mean, he's shooting pretty efficiently, I think 48% from the field. And at the they play so many close games. And at the end of the games, it honestly seems like everyone on the team is timid to kind of take that big shot. Even Zion, Zion, we know his signature move of jumping and hanging in the air for a few more seconds than his defender and potentially getting fouled. But the thing is, I think teams are happy to send a 70% free throw shooter to the line at the end of the game. I mean, I don't want to compare Zion or LeBron, but I think teams would sign up to send LeBron to the line at the end of games. I think there's almost a reason we never see LeBron there is because he avoids it. But with the Pelicans, I wouldn't say they're the wrong fit together. I think that Stan Van Gundy is the wrong fit. I mean, they have defensive pieces there and they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I don't think that they've developed certain guys. I mean, we see guys like 
Nall or uh, Lewis play eight, 30 minutes one night and then seven the next. I understand it's hard to fit everyone in the rotation, but I think it's poor roster con- roster construction. And I think Stan Van Gunny needs to go. I think the game is past him. <laughs> I mean, he was also a money broadcaster in the bubble. He was so great on was. Yeah. If he gets fired, yeah. then I guess that would be another bad thing. Big loss, especially for Pelicans fans. What do you guys better. think? You think you guys think Ingram is is a, a nice number two guy for Zion or no? I think so. Um, I think it's way too early to be thinking about selling a potential All Star. Did he make it last year? I think he did. Yeah, right? he did. Yeah, an All Star for you know less than uh, you know a hundred cents on the dollar. I guess you could say. Um, you know, if they don't make the playing game this year, it's not the end of the world. Zion's twenty. BI's what like younger than 25 like allow these guys to grow a little bit see if like one of them can it would be great if Zion could defend against fives because that way you don't have to play a Steven Adams you could have Zion cover the five but you know right now he hasn't proven to do that um and again he's 20 but the whole thing with the Pelicans too is that they have the whole slew of picks coming from the Anthony Davis trade and while the Lakers are probably, you know, those are probably going to be late 20s picks. Like you could still hit on those. Um, you know, David Griffin is a proven GM. Um, I would allow those two very, very young guys, all-stars to grow for at least a couple of years. Yeah. I had another question. I had another question for you guys on the Pelican. So Ball and Bledsoe, I think, are both shooting, if not 40% from three, just a bit under, especially Ball the past month. But I think there are certain guys in this league that no matter what they're shooting, they're not spacing the floor for you. Like Eric Bledsoe and Ball, I don't think space the floor, even if they're shooting it well. You guys agree? I agree. I agree. And I think like my biggest gripe with the Pelicans this year is just that like they don't, they lack an identity. To me. Like I'd like to see them like having Bledsoe and Steven Adams with like these, these young athletic you know, these guys, I'd like to see them lean into that. They have all this, you know, trove of assets. Um, I, I, it's just a weird combination. And I, I agree. I think that's Van Gundy's doing, um, you know, I think he wanted to have like a real veteran presence, but they're, they're eating at the playing time um, of some of these younger guys. And I, I want to see them. I mean, they would be the most exciting team if they just went young, let Alexander Walker, let Kira Lewis, let those guys go. Jackson Hayes. And just, yeah, I mean. Jackson Hayes. (laughs) But I just like to see them buy into that and just, I don't, that's why I don't think Van Gundy is the right guy for the job is because he's not that type of coach, but. Did you guys watch a game against the Jazz last week? Yeah, they tried to blow it. When they yeah they gave oh, the yes, best yes. effort to blow that twenty point lead in like the last five minutes. It kind of yeah. switched to the culture. Yeah, I mean not to go on too long on the Pelicans. Move on a minute, but Pelicans that's are why, fascinating, man. They are fascinating, and that's why I don't understand this. This I hate saying narrative, but the fact that they talk about Ingram now thinks this is his team. Maybe it's maybe it's his aura and his vibe on the court, but he it does not look like he's demanding the ball late in games. I think. I think neither of those guys are ready to be a number one option right now. And that's what it looks like at the end of games. So yeah, give I mean, like, any credit for going uh point Zion or is that just kind of an obvious solution? The uh, well, they're the, the PNR game with him and uh, Reddick has been their best offense. I love JJ Reddick. So do I, I kind of hope he gets moved um, a, so we can contend this year, but B as, as we talked about, get more minutes for 
Kira, is it Kira or Kyra? I've been I calling him Kyra. Kyra. I'm not sure. I was saying Kira. Kyle told me it was Kyra. I'd love to see more Kira. minutes for Kyra. I'd love to see more minutes for Nah. And maybe that'll happen at the deadline. Maybe it'll happen in the offseason. But I think Gabe hit, Gabe hit it on the head. They got so much young talent, and I just kind of wish wish they could fly. Yeah. Robbie, we went to a, a Knicks-Pelicans uh, preseason game two years ago, and we were all pumped up about Nah, and then he had a brutal rookie season. Gabe, did. did you have a uh, specific disappointment uh, from the first half? Or nothing particular? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, I know we've been talking about the Pelicans. I, I won't go on anymore about that. <laughs> Overall, they've been a, a disappointment. Um, another team, I, I mean, it, it has to be, I'm thinking the Hawks, you know. Um, it just hasn't fit together like I, I think they'd hoped um, obviously they just fired the coach we'll see how that plays out you know in the second half of the season but it's just kind of a, a weird group of of guys I think they definitely have some moves to make like the Rondo signing to me was was bizarre um, so yeah I, I think the Hawks have been disappointing I, I don't think it's very fun to play with Trey Young so you know, I think guys around the league, I think that's going to be a problem for them, you know, in the coming years. Yeah, I think with the Hawks, too, is that I get obsessive with are these guys number one options on winning teams? And I, I don't think Trey Young will ever be that. I know that could be a strong statement. Robbie or Kyle, you think he's a future number one on a on a on a good playoff team? Eventually. You think so, Kyle? I mean, you give them Do you like, like seven. Give him like seven years to adapt. His seven game. years. <laughs> He's like super young. Like they're going to grow and learn. But the Hawks are, they're really weird because they had like not only Rondo, but Bogdanovich and Gallinari. So I think not making the playoffs is a major disappointment for them. So yeah. Gallinari. I think he writes to be disappointed in them. Yeah. Gallinari, I think, is 31. You, you would think he's 39. It's like Harrison Barnes is 28. I couldn't believe hearing that. Yeah, that shocked uh, me as well. Yeah, that shocked me. Same with Malcolm Brogdon. I thought he was a younger guy. He's also 28, which I was, which I did not he expect. He was in college for a while. I think he was like three or four years in college. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to, uh, do we want to dive into our rookie redraft? Still ready for that? One quick disappointment. Yeah, go for it. Washington. Yeah, that's actually who I was looking at. Yeah. I thought between Russ and Beal, especially Russ in the West, because he like wasn't bad last year once they went micro ball. I thought just like his general aggression in the East would get them at least in the top 10, you know. But yeah, it, I mean, it was a disaster. They were another, another COVID team, though. I think the Wizards might make the playoffs, though. They might. They're coming at the over, though. I'll, I'll go into my disappointment real quick just because uh, I know. I know Gabe has a bone to pick with, with Danny age and I'm in the same boat. It's just, I mean, well, they are in the four seed right now, which is crazy at, at two games over, but the Celtics have been disappointing, man. And it pains me to say it as a UConn fan, whose dog is named Kemba, but he's, de he's definitely, he started off slow. He's, he's getting his feet wet. He's playing a lot better of late, but uh, it's just crazy to see a team with, with Tatum and Jalen given they still are, I think 22 and 24, but it's just, you know, any team with, with that core and smart's been out, he'll get back and, and help things out. But any team with that core should not be two games over 500. And, and it, to me, it comes down to guys like Ojale and Peyton Pritchard and 
Aaron Neesmith getting too many minutes. And I just, I don't see how their, their roster after the top three or four is so bad. Yeah, not enough minutes for time more. And not like Brad Stevens or those two superstars, because you think about all the hall of assets they had over the last five years. I mean, I don't know when the Brooklyn trade was, but they had all that. Then they have Hayward, Horford, um, Kyrie, and those guys all go for nothing. Um, Just like miss after miss, it seems like. Yeah, it's so tough to be patient with these younger guys. I mean, we Brown's taken a massive leap, and there's these – we've heard that Tatum – is still overcoming COVID, but this is probably, this is probably me speaking too much, but when I watch the Celtics, this probably upset some people, but I feel like, I know he's young. I feel like Tatum is kind of missing something. I feel like Tatum, when I watch him at the end of games, doesn't have that killer instinct. There's just something about him. I know he's young and he might develop it, but I'm not as in love with Jason Tatum as some of these other people, maybe the, I would imagine the advanced stats love him, but I know he replaced around the all-star game. I don't think that was necessarily the right spot for him. I mean, are you guys locked in on Tatum over Brown? No. Uh, I, I think I would still take Tatum over Brown. I, I think he's more polished offensively. Um, but, but Brown, Brown did go off in the all-star game and he's shooting incredibly this year, but uh, I don't know. I, th- I think, Tatum's Tatum's offensive game still has room to grow, which is scary because he's, you know, averaging his 27, did it last year as well. But it's not a bad place to be having having both those guys. Yeah. yeah. You almost you almost wish that some of uh Brown's like intensity and uh you know kind of hustle and the, those type of things would rub off on Tatum a bit more. Yeah. This is my last point before we get to the redraft is uh Haley O'Shaughnessy made this point that I really agree with and started to realize that this is kind of how I view the league is that I love watching teams with great players, but teams that have no expectations like the Pelicans have some, but no one will really look, it won't, no one will really care if they miss the playoffs, a team like the thunder. And then the point that the Celtics, we almost don't enjoy these two young studs as much as we should because their expectations at this point are like conference finals or bust. But, I mean, this goes against what I just said. They have two of the better young players in the league, but because the expectations are so high, we Celtic, I don't really enjoy watching the Celtics. They're not a team that I get excited for. So, well, that was I'm my not sure. I'm not sure why the, um, the expectations are so, are so high. Their, their roster is not very good around those two guys. And that's why, you know, are we sure Danny Ainge is a good GM? <laughs> are we sure? Because all I see, you know, he, he hit on Tatum and Brown. But outside of that, it's been pretty ugly. And I think he's got a bad reputation around the league right now. Um, and all I ever see, you know, is, is months after, you know, a draft or a trade deadline. It's how close Danny Ainge was to, you know, oh, he wanted Tyler Hero. But the Celtics took him the pick before. And, oh, he just missed on on quickly and you know, i think he took i think they took neesmith the pick before city bay this year yeah it's like it, it's always it's always some story about how close he is to you know hitting huge and uh, exactly I, it's the whole thing like oh they have the sacramento pick oh they have the memphis pick like this team's going to be loaded and look at them now they're like the thinnest team in the east at least in the top half of the east yeah i mean i think uh 
was it at this point? I think we were still at this point that, uh, no, anytime you trade the great player for these assets, you lose the trade. I mean, look at the assets they got and they, they turned in, I think two 14th overall picks, which became nothing. So we'll see with Boston. They had Gordon Hayward in house. They had Kyrie, you know, like those are two guys that you want to have on your team right now. Well, just getting nothing for those guys kills. But here, let's go into the redraft. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how we want to do this. We want to just start with uh, – I have seven guys down here. I have my first seven in order. I'm not sure exactly what you guys have. Do you want to start with someone and go one through one through eight, one through seven? And I also have seven. You have seven? Yeah. Want to just seven. go one through seven? Start with so, – uh, who wants to start? You start, right? All right, well, I think the first pick at this point is obvious. It's LaMelo. You have to take LaMelo yeah. Ball at the first pick. Just not even – not only based on the ceiling, but this guy's going to sell tickets and be one of the faces of the league down the road. So, I mean, LaMelo, I'm shocked. I attached I attached uh, Lonzo's failures and LaVar's antics to him struggling, and I was flat out wrong. I, he's a stud. Wait, so you have him over Poku? <laughs> <Yeah>. And quickly. <laughs> Cool. Was, you'll, you'll see where it quickly falls in mind. I know, I know. He's gonna go early. <laughs> all right, we'll go Kyle Robbie Gabe. Okay. Well, why don't you just why don't you just rattle off all seven? All right, yeah, this is my seven. Yeah, you're right. All right, this is my seven. I won't go into deep explanations. This is my redraft of this year's uh draft. There's Lamella Ball at two, James Wiseman, Tyrese Halliburton at three. Put Edwards at four. I had a tough time doing that because I hate his game. You guys are gonna laugh at this. I took Killian Hayes at five. We haven't seen him play. And we have. We, not really. We saw him play in preseason, and he, he looks kind of funky, but. He sucks. <laughs> the thing is, I, I don't have enough. He doesn't have enough reps for me to strongly defend. At number six, I have Patrick Williams, because I think he can fit into any roster. I think he's going to be a guy that you could play late at the end of game, start his career, and will only get better. And then at seven, just due to his defense, I have a Coro. So those are my top seven. What do we hate? Well, uh, Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes, man. He, I mean, sure, he, he only played play. three. He played three games, right? He was like one for 27 <laughs> or something. What if I wanted to – okay, we'll get into this because I. what if I wanted to judge Toppin on three games? I think Toppin's uh, – well, he's All on right, the list, but, yeah. Minutes aren't there. Killian got – he was getting a lot of minutes and, and had nothing to show for it. I'm holding <laughs> Killian Hayes' stuff. Nick should sign his dad, Obi's dad. Dunker's <laughs> Delight? Dunker's Delight. <laughs> All right, Kyle, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go quick. Um, I said Lamella, Wiseman, Albert, and Edwards, so I was with you there. Uh, five, I actually said quickly. I like his mentality. I like the fact that he's a Nick. Um, his floater, his ability to draw fouls um, and, you know, manage to complete the play as well. It seems like every game he has a four-point play. Um, and I think this is seven, but I said City Pick. I think he's been strong on both ends. Um I like him. He's been great. Yeah, I'll jump in. I had the same top three, although I thought about Wiseman at one. Um, I, I think his upside might be the highest, but I always lean towards ball handlers and, and playmakers when it's when it's that close. Uh, I had quickly four. I don't think anyone's even close to him after that. <laughs> um, Pat Williams at five. I love his feel for the game. I love watching the Bulls in general. I love Pat Williams. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. I, I have Edwards at six, although I mean it's it's just 
it, it's just remarkable to check the box scores every morning and, and see that someone can go three for 17, four for 19. I love his confidence and I love his first step. He's a freak, but I mean, at some point you gotta, you gotta pass the rock a little bit. Yeah. And he gives then, me like bad Westbrook vibes that it was never, I'm, I'm not a fan of his game. He's giving me Kevin Knox rookie year vibes. <laughs> As many people say, that's concerning. One of the worst, one of the worst rookie years of all time. The, the numbers are shockingly similar. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'll finish up. I have Obi at seven. Um, I'm not yeah. deterred at all by what's happening. He's playing. Honestly, his per 36s are nice. He's, he's scoring the ball when he gets in and he's a freak. Um, and the minutes will come. And I just, I don't see what people are seeing that's negative. Like, Do you think Obi's going to be able to develop a three-point game? Like an actual, like he's a threat at the line. We're going to defend him out there. Yeah, he's got a good stroke. I think I think he can be a mid thirties guy while also dominating down low. Has he had um, any? Has he been able to get to the line at all? I'm honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Like, Gabe, you really. tell me, but not. It doesn't seem like much, but I don't. He's not a force down low. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And then I just want to shout out Paul Reed uh, of the Sixers. He just won <laughs> highest wins above replacement in the G League bubble. Uh, so I like the way More. he plays. And I just wanted to shout out our boy, Luke Yeager, big Sixers fan, big Paul Reed fan. So just wanted to mention that. Can I make one G League comment before we get to Gabe? Is that Kevin Porter is going to be a problem in the second half. Kevin Porter can ball. I'm excited for him. He's got issues, though. He does have issues. Yeah, hopefully he sorts it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait, I... Robbie, really quick, back to Obi. What do you think? I mean, I guess it's a nice problem to have that you kind of get, like, a diamond in the rough all-star, but what do you think about the combo of him and Rand and Julius? Like, do you think they can ever manage to play together or will he just be spelling him? I don't think we have to start thinking about that yet. Uh, I think it's just, you know, collecting assets. Um, Randall, I think is a cornerstone for the future, not the number one guy, but we'll get a number one guy and he'll be the number two. Um, so maybe during that time period, Obi can only play, you know, his 20 minutes a game, but He's, he's 22 years old, and I just want to see him continue to develop, and I think he will. Yeah, that's all. Uh, one uh, Nick's question for you guys while, while we're on them before we get to Gabe is, we would imagine at some point they're going to have to pull the trigger, unlike Danny Ainge, and actually make a move and try to acquire that superstar. Between Barrett, Toppin, and Quickly, who, would, who do you want to keep hold on to the most? Barrett. I would agree. Yeah. He's got to have the highest ceiling. Yeah, Toppin, Toppin's at the bottom of that chart right now. Okay, well, do you guys, you guys, I would imagine, agree that the quickly – well, you guys still like Toppin, but the quickly success makes the Toppin pick over Halliburton a lot easier to digest. For sure. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, quickly has been – I don't think any of us expected him to be what he is. Um, but I will say on Obi, like – his defense actually hasn't been as bad as, as advertised coming out of college. There was a lot, like we were worried about his defense and, and his offense was supposed to be the sure thing. Um, and I think they were completely, he was like touted as the, the most NBA ready Rook this year, um, which clearly hasn't been the case. Um, and it might be, <laughs> it might be quickly might be the most NBA ready. Gabe, is he in your is he in your redraft? Let's hear the redraft. All right, my redraft. I, I went Lamelo first, 
Lamella Wiseman, which seems to be the uh, the way here. Uh, I went quickly third. No, let's go. Quickly third. <laughs> I think he has a higher ceiling <laughs> than Halliburton. I think Halliburton is – this is who he's going to be. Halliburton's not getting – you know, he's not going to be a 25 points per game a night type of guy and, and quickly – Clearly can be. Um, so I went quickly three, Halliburton four. Um, I went Pat Will five. He's, I mean, we all like him. He's awesome. Um, and then I went Edwards six and Devin Vassell for the Spurs seven. <laughs> Give us your nice. Devin Vassell pitch. <laughs> three and D. Um, his defense is, is, advanced like he's he's a really good defender um and i mean every team can use a three and d guy he's very much a spur he's he's the perfect pick for the spurs yeah i'd like to see him get some more minutes and i like the spurs i honestly i love this spurs young core keldon johnson dejounte murray it's it's weird because the spurs haven't been fun in like five years or so but and they still have that aura of like they don't have any stars and but I kind of agree. Like I really like those guys. Um their but, most exciting play, their most accomplished players are their least exciting by a significant margin. Other than one of them, if you guys catch Patty Mills on a night where he's hot, he doesn't miss. There's been a few games this year where Patty Mills comes in and will just hit five straight threes and completely open up the game. Patty Mills, yeah, Patty Mills is that one guy. His transition to the long hair braids game has been smooth. Yeah, I'm a Patty Mills fan for sure. All right, so that's the redraft. It sounds like there is some bias with Quickly. Why didn't Quickly make the Rising Stars team? Uh, well, that'll go into my rant about awards. I, I couldn't care Politics. less <laughs> about the Rising Star team. First team all rookie, second team all rookie. Why are we talking about this in 12 games into the season? Um but Gabe did text me about that, and Gabe was very bummed because, you know, he, 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 he was sad about RJ not making all-rookie last year, and I understand, but how is quick? How did Quickly not make that team? He's was RJ on the – Because he's not – because he's American, because he's from the U.S. and not from – because they the way they break it out is like – Yeah, Barrett's right, Canadian. It's Team U.S. I think, like, Michael Mulder from the – Yeah, he did. He <laughs> made the Rising Stars game. They need to, I mean, fix, they need to fix that shit. Is this bias or is quickly not definitely going to be first team all rookie? I mean, he's, he should be. Let's well, get well, Melo I mean, and Halliburton for the guards probably. Yeah. Cause they do it by positions, which is also foolish. I mean, do that. I think so. But it could right, well, be this, three guards and two forwards. Um, yeah. But like, they'll, they'll give it to Edwards. No. Oh, all right. Edwards, <laughs> no way. You mean Kevin Knox? <laughs> are you guys are you guys done with Kevin Knox yet? No. Getting there, getting there. <laughs> what about what about Mitchell Robinson? How enthusiastic are you about his return? Are you kind of content with Nerlens? Don't bring up Nerlens' hands to Gabe. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for his return. I Nerlens, he's been great on defense. Um, he's good for maybe one or two lobs a game. Um, I think the offense has taken, has taken a significant step forward since he's been out. Um, and I think it'll be cool to see what, you know, when you reinsert him into that lineup, I think he's going to get a lot of lobs. 
Um, and I, I, I think his defense is, is right there with Maryland. So you would I think, think he's a better closing five. And, uh, IQ would be good. I think yeah. they're going to close with Nerlens even when Mitchell comes back. Hmm. I don't think you can bring Mitchell out to the perimeter. I don't think he'll have any success out there late in games. All right. Well, this is all right. I wanted to get to uh, unless Robbie, Robbie, had something else there. No, I, th- I think we've done en- enough Knicks talk. But while we're on our Knicks talk, yeah, uh, can we talk about when we're getting back to the Garden and what those protocols are? And yeah, so you have to bring a. Um, negative test that's within 72 hours of when you got tested. Um, and then as far as the tickets go, I'm not, I don't have much detail there, but yeah, you got to bring the negative test. I've heard they're a little bit lax on that. Um, the testing part makes me hesitant to go to a game, but the one thing that does attract me is the fact that I just picture being at one of these games and hearing every, everything the players say. I mean, I would love to hear what these players say to the referees throughout a game um, so I think that'd be an unreal experience, but at the same time, I don't know how close they'd sit you to the court, but yeah, I don't know if we'll be getting MSG this year, unfortunately. Hope, I mean, you'll that, still be getting loud though, right? I don't think you'll be hearing them quite as much as you'd think. I just got my 2, eyes on those. compared to 20 is. Yeah, that's fair. I got my eyes on those playing games. I got my eyes on those playing games in May. Oh I mean, my hope, God. maybe, be... maybe we'll be top six at this rate, but, uh, I think playing is probably. Play is probably a little bit more realistic. And can you imagine the first play-in game in NBA history being at the Garden? No. That's, yeah, that's – if there's one frustration, it's got to be – I mean, we obviously understand why. But the lack of fans – there are some moments during these Knicks games where Randall's hitting that signature drive right, free throw line, fade away to go on an 8-0 run. The Garden would be out of control. And we were at games when the Knicks were 20-41 and 41 like a down, Sunday down nine to the Grizzlies and going nuts. It, it would be, it'd be surreal. That's the biggest frustration watching these Knicks games. Sunday matinee when there's like NFL playoff football on and it's a packed house and like just absolutely blowing the uh, lid off the roof. Yeah. Now it'd be special. Do we want to, uh, this is what I'm excited for. I think we're about an hour in. We're probably working on a two and a half, three hour podcast here. Do we want to uh, we want to get to the all Q team? I would I would love to get to the all Q team. All right, let's uh, do it. This is Robbie's <laughs> baby. I think this was inspired by uh, actually both Gabe and my girlfriends because we watch the Knicks a lot, and my girlfriend Brianne thinks RJ is very cute, which he is, but he didn't make my all cute. Hold on, let me find my notes. He's not as cute as Frank. Yeah, there's I have one let's guy. Not bury, let's not bury the lead here. There are two um, guys. There are two guys <laughs> that I'm praying are on this roster. Okay, so here's how I did it. I didn't. I didn't mean to do a full 15, but there's just a lot of cute guys in the league. But um, it's not necessarily who's the most handsome. Like, it's not like the Dwayne Wade's or the Kyle Corver. I, I never really thought Kyle Corver was that attractive, but people did. It's more so like a like I try to imagine them as like little kids and how cute they must have been. And then also it's just like it's like faces that you just want to root for. So with that being said, my bench is. Luka. Can I make one point, Robbie? Can I make yeah. one point? I think it's also the innocence of these players. Well, which is why out of my 15, I think all 15 are under six, seven, because it's just more fun to root for, for little guys. And I think most of them are, are in their first few years in the league. Um, 
So my bench is Luca, Ja, Tatum, who I, I, I was on the fence with Tatum, but my mom texted me during the all-star festivities and said he was the cutest guy on the court. So I, I felt like I had to throw that in there. Simmons um, wife also told him that, uh, that Tatum's the cute, the most attractive guy in the league. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Easy. I, so I guess that's what the women are thinking. You're um, the earrings during the three point. Maybe that helped the cause. Yeah. And then I have Levert. I think he's got a really nice face and DeWante Murray. I, I like um, all those. The only guy that I'm hesitant on is Ja. I think Ja almost has too much swag to be cute. Maybe, maybe. Um, let me just let me just go through yeah. these and then yeah. yeah. So for my bench, I went with the older guys because I didn't want it to all be you know young guns. And there are some older guys with cute faces, led by Chris Paul at the point guard position, Steph also at the point guard position. Again, I'm going I'm going small here. So if we have to play against Embiid, we might be in trouble. Um, I got Kyle Lowry, Kawhi, and CJ McCollum. CJ's a good call. I like this. There's there's two guys I had that I think are adorable. One is Wiseman. I think Wiseman's the cutest guy in the league. He is uh, really he, cute. I forgot. He, he's a big man in the league for he's sure. So, he is so innocent and lost out there that I love it. And the other guy is uh, Maladon. Maladon. <laughs> yeah. I can't Maladon. say it. I've, I've watched some Thunder, but I can't say I know exactly what it looks like. All right, hold on. And then my starting five real quick. Donnie, unbelievably cute. Fox, unbelievably cute. One guy that's a little bit off the radar, Tyrese Maxey. Um, and then my two team captains are Kemba Walker. Just, you know, goes without saying. He's just a, a beautiful young man. It's time and, and the reason this started is because Gabe's girlfriend, Kat, um, coined the term cute Frank couple years ago i mean frank is frank. just frank his swag else. is his swag is off the charts yeah you can't question frank it's him and uh maladon the two french guards <laughs> that's a good lineup robbie i like it when you there are, uh, and get you some numbers yeah <laughs> i had one addition i thought uh mike conley's smile was just infectious the other night i <laughs> 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 mean i feels well then we'd yeah, have the whole Conley's up there. Conley's yeah, cute. exactly. <laughs> so then we'd have the whole jazz backcourt. I like that. Who's the uh who's the least cute guy in the league? I said Bobon. Oh, who's the uh, guy on. Oh, I think it's uh Lonzo. Or Landry Shamit. Trey Young. Trey Young. Trey yeah. Young, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Fox. Fox with the haircut is uh, is definitely a starter on that team. Yeah, he he's adorable. I don't, I don't, we shouldn't be talking about maybe, maybe cut that part. Cause you know, Trey Young might hear this podcast. So well, I don't want to uh, get in Re- trouble. I, I have a, for the not two team, I'm going to go with Rishon Holmes. <laughs> that fl- Rishon that Holmes is a fantasy up. stud though. I picked him up. He's a scout team linebacker. His floater that he starts from the waist is money. I love Rashawn yeah. Holmes is solid. If we're on that, I, I still think Bagley should be good. You guys, you guys fully out on Bagley? I don't know why he's not good. I know I'm his out. defense is awful, but offensive, he plays like 20 minutes a night too. Yeah, I, I, if he's not getting minutes on that team with that front court, I mean, who's who, who's taking? Be Elisa. Be Elisa. <laughs> Be Jelly. Be Jelly. So I, I just, you know, not that I trust Luke Walton to make any any lineup decisions. I think it's an attitude thing too. Um, I'm not sure, you know, his, his attitude is in the right spot right now. 
maybe he needs a change of scenery. I, he definitely, if he's going to take the next step, I think he needs the whole, the whole Luca thing has to be just a gigantic black cloud over him and like everything, like every time he walks into the King's building, it's like, Oh, that could have been Luka Doncic. So maybe a change of scenery is exactly what his need, what he needs. So that's what his dad thinks at least. I think Luke Walton also needs a change of scenery. Him or Stan Van Gundy, He's who do you gone. think needs to go more? Luke. Walton. Yeah. Walton's going to have a full-time gig on the jump next year. He's still he's, he's still living off the 30-0 run that he had with the best with the Warriors. It's the only reason he has a head coaching gig. Yeah, but what, shot what, I made with him <laughs> against you in like 2K8. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, what would what would the Warriors record have been with you coaching that team? 28 and 2? Yeah. Uh, that's that's the yeah it's ridiculous we'll see the kings are a frustration because they they don't they refuse to sell every season so they have the same I mean, they have so many assets i heard that buddy heel takes 14 shots a game 10 threes i mean i know it's a three-pointer league that that's all right that's one more question i had before we move on to the next topic here is if daryl morey said that the problem with the league right now and why it's changing is that everyone finally realized that three is 50% more than two. Granted, he's the one that like invented this game. If every shot was worth two points, do you still think that so many of these players would still be taking step backs from 27 feet all game? Or you think they would really be taking like, you think Steph would be taking 17 footer baseline jumpers? I think, I think it's a balance. I mean, a, a lot of the reason that people camp out back there is spacing, you know, for, for the big men to do their thing and for guards to, to get into the lane. But I mean, they would definitely move in a little bit. Like why shoot from 24 when you can shoot from 19. So yeah. Greg know, Monroe would still be in the league. Greg Monroe, I think was like 27 averaging 14 and 10 and got thrown out of the league in a year because his game just couldn't fit at all. He was <laughs> terrifying on the, uh, that uh, Pacers team. against Yeah. The Heat. He was all right. You're right. I, wanna... I think I think it, the evolution was inevitable at, at some point. Like, if it wasn't Daryl Morey and then Steph Curry, it would have been you know someone five years later in terms of a GM, you know, a different coach than Mike D'Antoni and a different player than Steph Curry. Like, I think it was inevitable in the long run. Yeah, I mean, speaking of camping out at the three point line, Robbie, you want to tell us how happy you are about not having KP on the Knicks? Oh, oh, oh. thank you for bringing <laughs> that up. I mean, so when did that go down? That two was uh, two years ago, pretty much two years ago. I think we were. We were at work. It was an I'm afternoon. Trying to, I'm trying yeah. to remember. I'm trying to remember my thoughts that day. It was. It was a bummer that we lost him because at that point he was all we had, and you know he gave us some great years, but he wanted out. So fuck him, and and it, it's just working out so beautifully. I mean. As of now, we have a be- or the Dallas pick is better than our pick. Um, he just looks like garbage. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade anything for him. I mean, he's making like he's he's under contract for like three more years for thirty plus a year. And what does he do? I mean, he he shoots thirty foot threes at like mid thirty percent. Uh, he doesn't block shots like he used to. I just I wouldn't want that anywhere near my team. And he could break his knee at any point. Yeah, and that is a great is question. Atrocious. What does he do? Chucks. He's a seven foot three chucker. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabe. There was also so much like legit hype that day or that time around where like 
you thought like the Knicks would actually come through with the draft cap or with the, um, you know, cap space. So it really felt like it, with getting rid of KP, there would be the two stars coming in. Obviously that didn't come through, but that that's what was my main emotion that day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, looking back, even when it first went down, I, I think there was, it was like, we could have, there was definitely some better packages out there. I'm sure um, that they could have gotten for, you know, Porzingis who at the time was an absolute stud. Uh, it didn't take long for us to realize that DSJ was not. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, he just like from the second he got here, you could tell like he did not want to be here. I think I was actually, cause the Knicks actually played the Mavericks the night before that trade went down. Um, and Dennis Smith had a triple double. So I was like, all right, I could get <laughs> with this a little bit. And, and, you know, right off the bat he was like i mean the jump shot is just is atrocious so you know i think obviously the cap space didn't work out the way we hoped it would but at the end of the day we did sign julius randall and marcus morris with that cap space um and we did flip marcus morris for what turned out to be a manual quickly with that cap space so but Marcus Morris is a very guy. strong point. I didn't realize that. So it was an absolutely major win for them. Yeah. The only frustration with the trade is that I assume we're all big Luca fans and now they're paying his number two option, 30 mil a year to, as Robbie mentioned, shoot 34 from three point 46 from the field as a seven foot three guy who's stuck in quicksand on defense. So well, it, that also has, it also them. has a lot to do with the injury. So you feel hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, we, were there, we were there the day he got towards ACL. Yeah, that was the Giannis dunk game. Yeah, it was. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, Gabe and I have talked about how, how hard it is to root against uh, Luca, but we have to because we have their pick. Um, yeah. So rooting against KP makes it a little bit easier. And also, that team just kind of sucks. Like they're they're gonna be they're gonna be in the playing game, but I mean that roster is brutal. Behind Josh Richardson is brutal. <laughs> Dude, that was I do uh, like Finney Smith. That's one of my points for later. Yeah, Finney Smith. I do like Finney Smith. I'm a fan <laughs> of Finney Smith and Cleveland. Yeah, people it, before Jay the Brunson. season though, there were so many Brunson people too. that liked the Mavs as like a top four seed in the West, and all they did was draft Terry and trade Seth Curry, who's wet to for uh, Richardson. Seth Curry is so underrated. He can create his own shots spreads the floor, can handle. He's not that bad on defense. They're the frustration because I, we always sit here and we're like, oh, well, he's so young. They have time. And people are like, well, Luca will get better. How much better is Luca going to be than he was last year? Like how much better can you get than that? Averaging what he averaged on pretty efficient shooting. So any year that they go by where they don't have a viable team, it, it, it is frustrating to me. No, for sure. Um, and I, I think you're leading into this. Are you leading into the good takes, bad takes? We can go for that. Yeah. The, uh, the takes that we, uh, that we, ne- what was this? The takes that we wish we never made or that we want to take back the ones that we're proud of and the ones we had back the, what I've written down is that I was, um, scolding the Seth Curry trade when it happened. I thought Seth was unbelievable during the bubble. Like he was like the, 
ideal secondary ball handler. Wait, so this is the one you're proud of? Yeah, this is the one I'm proud of. That, that was nice. better. Um, yeah, he was an unreal secondary ball handler. Like, he was absurdly clutch, too. Like, not only with threes, but getting to the basket, finishing with either hand. Like, they were, like, they were unbelievable um, in the bubble. And now it's just, like, kind of janky, the offense, because there is no secondary ball handler. I mean, you could say it's Brunson, but he's not bringing what Seth did. And, like, Josh Richardson is just, like, another guy for him. It's a major loss for them. Yeah, I love Brunson, though. Brunson's good. They just need more guys like him. Brunson is efficient. He's just not – he's being asked to be the number two guy at the end of games. It's not what he is, you know. Yeah. What's the other one, Kyle? So, I guess that was my proudest take. Um, I would say <laughs> one I, I I was off on, and I guess I wasn't that far off, but I thought the, the Bucks were going to be just, like, having another dynamite um, – regular season like maybe lose like a dozen games in this shortened season to just be racking it up but obviously that hasn't been the case um i think Giannis and budenholzer both said like we're kind of using this as a tune-up for um the postseason this time around because obviously they've taken their scars so they're, i guess they're like trying new sets different way to end games that sort of thing um kind of using the regular season as a test for the postseason but um uh, no I had the Bucks over, and that's looking like a, a firm L. Um, and you know, it, it was just kind of a bleak start for them. Yeah, I think you thank, I think you can thank Budenholzer for that. Yeah, definitely. I don't think he's the answer. Do what? No one's talking about the Bucks. What do you got? Are they behind the Nets? You guys have Sixers or Bucks? Do you think either of those teams is a legit threat? Why is everyone off the Bucks? I think people will let Robbie, we should just get to your, we'll do our take. We'll, we'll get into this take segment. We should get to your Giannis point that you mentioned a couple of days ago. You want to get to that? So yeah, we were just talking about things to talk about. And to me, there's, (laughs) (laughs) there's a few players that we collectively don't either like or appreciate for some reason. And, And to me, Giannis is one of them. And I, I think it's because his game hasn't changed at all in the last couple of years. Like he's dominating. He's done. He always dominates 30 and 12 and six and, and whatever, but you know, his free throw shooting hasn't improved his three point shooting or even his like mid range shooting hasn't improved, but I don't know. Like he, he seems like a cool guy. His teammates love him. He's staying in Milwaukee, which we all love when players do that. Um, so I know Ryan, I know Ryan, you don't like watching him and, and have something against him. So I just wanted to, bring that conversation to life here yeah no i mean i agree he seems like the nicest guy i've off the court no issues with him it's just it's exactly what you said he hasn't developed his game and now he's won these two mvps so he has these unfair expectations because i think there's so many people that for some reason don't comprehend that the mvp is only the regular season so they think he shouldn't have won those he those two MVPs were well-deserved. He was the best regular season player, but it's almost like people blame him for winning that and are disappointed in him now because he won two MVPs. What frustrates me about Giannis is I just don't think he's being put in the right position in Milwaukee. I think his game shouldn't be that much different than what Zion does on a nightly basis. I want him to play like that, get the ball at the perimeter, drive hard, stop taking these three point shots that you're, shooting what 30% on and get to the line 
and shoot your 70%. And that's more than good enough rather than taking these jump shots. I think that's what I get frustrated by his shot to be Frank is gross. And I don't think that it's ever going to develop to be good enough. And he's still taking a few threes every night. He doesn't need to spread the floor. They have enough shooters. So that's what frustrates me. It's the same thing every year. I'm working on my jump shot, but it's not getting any better. So that's what frustrates me with uh, Giannis. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just, I, I kind of like this year have just been phasing him out for the, for the regular season. I don't care <laughs> what he does in the regular season. But I want to see it in the playoffs. Like he hasn't been out of the second round. I don't think um, it's like, you know, we know that they're a good regular season team. It's they're pretty much brought everybody back. Although they did add Bobby P. Um, good. He's been good. He's been good. Hey guy, Bobby. <laughs> they're pretty much the same team. I mean, they, well, that now they have drew. Um, so, you know, it's, I don't know. It's like, there's no more excuses now. Um, and I'm ready to see it in the playoffs. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of waiting for that before I, you know, when are they going to realize that Middleton is good and use him more? Hopefully in the playoffs. Hopefully what are your thoughts on Giannis, Kyle? I mean, I think you guys pretty much said it all. Um, and it's funny because, like, you think about him and he's, like, a story that we should all be, like, in love with. Kid literally comes from, like, the streets of Greece, works his way to being a back-to-back MVP. Like, couldn't play harder, infectious, like, charisma, stays in Milwaukee, like you said. But we do get frustrated with just the playoff losses. I don't know if we feel like let down as fans or just maybe more sort of the frustrations that you were saying, Rye, like just like the lack of improvement, Um, even though it seems like he's working as hard as he can at it. But, you know, I think we just, you know, want a little bit more out of him um, when it matters most, which is exactly what you're saying. I think before I forget this point is, something that I've been noticing all year that I'm thinking about is there's such a difference between great players and guys that can close games. Like Giannis has won two MVPs and many would perceive him as a top three, top five player, but I don't think Giannis is a top 10 top. I don't think he's a top 20 closer in the league. End of a game. You want the ball in Giannis and 20 might be strong, but top 10. And he's a back-to-back MVP. I think that's what we get frustrated about, but that's not his fault. Is that just because of the shooting then? I think it's the shooting. I think it's the handle. I think it's the free throw shooting. I don't I'm think he has – it's not like Giannis is getting to his spot and taking the jumper. Even LeBron developed the shot where he can get to his spot at the elbow and take a shot or get someone a wide-open shot. I mean, and that's what the playoffs is. It's, it, the game slows down. It becomes, you know, close games in the fourth quarter are – who's going to score better in the half court and Giannis in transition is scary as hell, but in the half court, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm not scared of that. What are you going to do? Which brings the whole conversation back to the nets. 100%. Because the nets are going to be able to score in the half court. But you have the Lakers winning the finals, Kyle. Well, <laughs> and I have the nets winning the East. <laughs> all right. Do you, did you have a, did we get to your take that you were disappointed in? It was, was it? It was the Bucks. Okay. You want to go ahead, Robbie? Oh, with my takes? Your Um, takes. So the take, I'm trying to remember. Oh, the take that I was proud of is I, uh, I always like to stick with players longer than, longer than most. 
uh, I just have a tendency to kind of root for every single team and every single player in the NBA because I watch the NBA every night and I want people to be good. Uh, so the two people who have rewarded me this year are Julius Randle and Zach Levine. Um, I've, I've always been on Levine. I've always been on Randle. And I just feel like, you know, they're both, what, 25, 24? And yeah. so, much, so much about the NBA is the team you're on, the position you're in the coaches, the continuity, and Levine's just a fucking baller, man. Like, he's unstoppable, and he's so smooth, so athletic, and I'm just happy to see him having success. Um, and whether or not that happens in terms of playoff, playoff success in Chicago remains to be seen, but he's just a fun story, and I'm, and I'm happy about it. I hope they fail miserably so we can get him. I, Levine is a star. Agreed. There's no, there's no doubts about Levine. Agreed. I, you know, I, I hadn't watched too many, too many Bulls games, so my opinion of him was was sort of the same um, until a few weeks ago when I I checked his his percentages and realized that his he's shooting the ball like ridiculously well. Um, yeah, over fifty percent. He takes tough shots, um, and he's making tough shots. So, I mean, yeah, they're finally winning some games. They're finally winning some games, so he's definitely yeah. taking that next step. And the take that I am willing to go back on and very happy to go back on is after they got swept by the Celtics last year, I wanted the Sixers to trade Embiid for a pack of polio string cheeses. I, I was just so disappointed. Um, I felt yeah, like I remember t- you shitting on him. I shat on him. I thought they should have got rid of him, kept Simmons, built around Simmons, and holy shit, has he proved me wrong. I mean – the thing with him is always health, which, you know, we're only halfway through, but um, he's been the best player in the league this year. Uh, he's a dominant force on both sides of the ball. The thing in the past has always been like, he's had the talent. It's just conditioning. And it sometimes seems like he didn't care. Um, and it just feels like that's changed. Um, I know I spoke earlier that I don't believe in the pieces around him, but I'm just very impressed and I'm willing to uh, take that out. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to shoot 42 from three, then there's, he's unstoppable. Yeah, it's, a, it's especially impressive during this, um, during this COVID season. Like, I feel like if you weren't really, like, the, uh, the type of guy to be, like, a hard worker and get your ass into shape before uh, the pandemic, like, I, I wouldn't expect it of you this year. And I'd, I'd almost give you like a, a little bit of a pass because a lot of guys didn't come into the season in, in great shape. So definitely, Embiid's been awesome. Yeah, I you think. You wonder that, how much credit goes to Doc too versus uh, Rep Brown. Yeah, I wonder how much. The butt of all like Sixers criticism over the last couple of years, and maybe you know there was good reason behind that after what we've seen out of them this year. But yeah, it is I mean, funny because they're like, I bet at least like 50%, you know, maybe, maybe not quite 50, but would have taken Simmons over Embiid at that same point that you were saying that, Robbie, after the season last year. Obviously not the case now, but it's funny what, you know, six months, eight months can do. Yeah. I mean, I think we can thank the media for selecting Gobert to third team all NBA. I think we've heard that. Once Embiid saw that, he was determined to uh, 
to, I mean, the, the way he's playing is absolutely ridiculous. A guy, a guy that's that big against Utah can just step back and take a three in your face is unguardable. So I've also always, Robbie, I feel like you haven't always liked his antics. I like his antics on the floor. I like him pumping up the crowd of like 15 people and getting in everyone's ear. I like that. It's fine now. I just, I didn't <laughs> like it when he hadn't earned it. And Fair. I thought he needed to focus on getting his fat ass in shape and dominating night in night out instead of, you know, posting on Instagram, but uh, now he can do whatever he wants. So as long as he keeps it up. That's the short leash for you. That's the other thing to me, like, you know, I, I maybe it was Brett Brown. Um, I think their, their roster is a little bit uh, like, it's just better this year in terms of like more spacing, more shooting around uh, Embiid. And, you know, I don't know. It, it just, uh, it all goes back to the playoffs. Like I think we've seen, we've seen the Bucks last year have amazing regular seasons um, and there's teams that do that. But at, at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't bring it to the playoffs, like what does it mean? Yeah. That's the other point I wanted to make before we continue with these takes is that we're obviously obsessed with the NBA. We're watching league pass every night. Sometimes are you guys ever sitting there and saying like, what am I doing? This, this is the game that I'm watching right now. And I'm actually like loving this. You ever have that? All the time. Sometimes when it's like midnight. Yes. And no. <laughs> um, yes. In the sense that I've been cooped up with my girlfriend for, as we said, almost exactly a year now. And, you know, during, during the all-star break, it's, time to get some brownie points, stop watching basketball, hang out a little bit. But uh, if I was by myself on just a Wednesday night, I would have no issue watching seven straight hours of basketball every single night. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, every now and then you'll all ask myself if I'm watching like a Kings Grizzlies game on league pass at like 1230 fighting to keep my eyes open. Like why am I fighting to keep my eyes open? I'm going to miss the, the fourth quarter of this game. Because you're well, a hoop head. Because you're yeah, a hoop head. Yeah, so so you got yeah, I'm on the west I'm on the west coast for the time being and uh games are over by like ten. It's pretty wonderful. Not yeah, to go down a huge tangent, but how do you like that like generally with the like seven so you you'll have games start at like four or four or five? Yeah, I love it. Um I'm sure people don't care about my life in LA, but uh I went to college out here, so I was I was used to going to the bar at 9 30 a.m on sundays yeah. which it's always nice to start drinking that early um but, but for nba i mean so i'm working on east coast hours so i'm i'm done before the games start so then you know just watch all night don't have to go to bed too late it's great Ideal. that's nice yeah the point i was gonna make is that we watch these regular season games and anyone that's not that into the nba will say oh the regular season's a joke like they don't try which is false that's ridiculous but the regular season is not always and is honestly is frequently a bad representation of what you're going to see in the postseason. Even if we look at it right now, like the Jazz could run away with the one seed and I'd feel better about the Lakers and the Clippers. And there are certain players, even like Embiid, who is the MVP favorite. There are a lot of guys at the end of a playoff game I'd rather have than him. I mean, 
it's hard not to get obsessive over what we're seeing, but at the same time, the playoffs come and it's a completely different game. It's all building. It's all trying to build and peak at the right time and figure out the right formations and rotations and all that. But well said, Kyle. which makes watching on March 11th even more fun because you're watching them, you know, figure all that shit out. Yeah. Plus for the hoop yeah. heads, the hoop heads know like who's going to, who, who's going to thrive in the playoffs, but it's not even about that. It's, it's about watching the Halliburton's and, and just like, for, for Ryan Jacobs watching the Theo Maladones and Lugan Stortz is it's just fun. Like we love these guys. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get to the thunder <laughs> in a little bit. Gabe, you want to uh, go with your uh, proud of and least proud of takes? Yeah. I'll start with my least, uh, my least proud take at least this year. I, I, uh, I wasn't sold on Lamella and I, honestly, I, I didn't want the Knicks to, to take him. Not, I didn't want the Knicks to trade up um to select him um which in hindsight seems pretty stupid i think you know he's he's a franchise changer he's a he's a um he's just an awesome young player and his i his style of play to me has been just next level especially for a rookie um and then on the other end of that you know i i did me and me and luke luke yeager did take the Hawks under this year, um, which I feel was a pretty contrarian play. I think a lot of people wanted to buy the, the Hawks this year. So, you know, that one felt pretty good. What was that? What was that? Like 500? It was 500. Yeah. I took it as I took the under two and I can't stand watching the Hawks. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll save that. We'll save the teams we don't like. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's it for another miss for me is, I'm not ready to fully admit it yet, but Kevin Knox <laughs> being a star. Gabe, this Gabe if you're not ready to fully admit this, you never are. You never will be. In in Gabe's <laughs> defense, he's the, he was the last man on Nilakina Island, and he's been wet. Look at Frank Nilakina this year. I just want to state for the record, Frank Nilakina shooting sixty percent from three this year. Well, that's because um, defense defense plays in this league. I don't know what Knox does. He doesn't play defense. Um, <laughs> hit the corner three. I think he's kind of found his little his little. If PJ Tucker can do it, why can't Kevin Knox? Yeah, he does have the nice high arc corner three. I'll go with mine. The PJ take Tucker I wish I had back is honestly every single Curry take that I had when LeBron was in Cleveland because I was I'm a big LeBron guy and I was obsessive in those series, rooting for Cleveland hating the Warriors because I thought they were too stacked. Even when they had the 72-win season, I was concerned about LeBron not winning the ring. And now this is the first year where the Warriors were – Curry's healthy, and he's they're not a favorite. And he is, to me, the most enjoyable player in the league to watch. It's it's not even the performance, but the, the amount of fun that he has is unmatched, even during the All-Star game. Everything about him seems just so off the cuff. Um, and there's no, it's like, not, it's not about him. I'm, I'm all in on Curry, which is not that that's a hot take, but I never really enjoyed watching him play because I was so anti Golden State. And he's a once in a lifetime watch, just the amount of joy he plays with. I say it every podcast we do. Yeah, I, I feel bad for you in, in the sense <laughs> that, you, that, that you didn't get to enjoy those years. Our, uh, 
our other our other old roommate uh nick Mackey, was the same way he's the biggest lebron fan in the world um well maybe you're tied but uh just to not be able to enjoy those Steph years, man. He's he's just the best. He is the best. He has so much fun. No one's game is more fun to watch. It's just a pleasure, which makes it even something I lose sleep over is uh, obviously Clay. It's been months, but uh, just, well, obviously for, from Clay's perspective, um, losing a year of his prime after coming back from another injury, but from from the Steph point of view, like, He's not getting any younger. Obviously, he's still in his prime, but just the fact that they're not going to contend this year when he's playing at an MVP level is kind of sad. Sucks. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move, though. I mean, they said they would only trade Wiseman for a superstar, and I think you could potentially get a superstar for him. We'll see. I I mean, I want to see Golden State compete, but there's two takes I had that I'm proud of because Gabe named his over-under, which got me thinking. But one take I'm proud of is last year – when um jordan clarkson was traded i was in my apartment and the two people i were with said oh that's a that's a nothing trade jordan clarkson's garbage he he's a chucker jordan clarkson is is an elite offensive player and has been huge for that team and i like his game i mean i want to see if he could be effective closing for them in the playoffs but i'm glad that i stuck with jordan clarkson i like his whole look on the floor i like the high socks I'm a big Jordan Clarkson fan overall. And then the other take I'm proud of is I got laughed out of the room when I said that I like the OKC Thunder over this year. Everyone thought they were the one team in the West that had nothing to play for. Let's give some credit to Coach Dagnall and the fact that they play hard every single night and they compete. They, they compete with some of the better teams in the league. They went into San Antonio after the Spurs crushed the Knicks and SGA took over late in the game. They play defense. They've been without George Hill basically all season long. So I'm a big OKC guy, and I am of the belief that SGA is a future superstar in this league. I think he's getting looked past. He should have been considered for the all-star team. I'm all in on him. I have to say he was on my all-Q team, but then I subbed him out for Ja just because I realized I forgot Ja. He's the best um, hair in the league. SGA. But uh, I think I, I texted you this a couple weeks ago, but it just fires me up how much you care about the OKC Thunder. It, take, it takes a, it takes a real hoop head to uh, to watch one of the teams that was supposed to be the worst in the in the NBA by far, and they're fighting, man. Yeah, yeah I just love SG. Go ahead, Gabe. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, it's just fun to watch them compete. Like they they're just a young, and this is like it kind of goes back to the Pelicans point where you know, like they've committed to this is their identity. Like they're gonna play their young guys. I mean, I know they have like Horford and. George Hill, who haven't really been playing too much, but you know, like Baisley, like their their list of young guys, I they're all I like them all. And they they just they play their game and they compete. And like that goes a long way, even in the NBA. If you're not as skilled, you know, if you fight every night, like it also feels like they're rebuilding in like the perfect way where they have like pieces. Obviously, SGA is a piece in his own stratosphere compared to the rest of them but like Baisley, Dort like those are guys you can win with and then they've cornered the market on draft picks over the next five years so you know like they'll have the culture of playing hard playing to win with like a good foundational coach but then they'll also get like they also have those assets available to them so it's kind of the best of both worlds yeah right sorry go ahead I was just gonna say especially with like 
the new lottery where like you don't guarantee yourself a top three by sucking. So like you may as well like try to win as many games as you can and like granted there is a huge difference between like the four the number four pick and the number nine pick, but I think there's like great value to having like the winning culture, I guess. So yeah, agreed on all that. So Ryan, not to put you on the spot, but as our resident Thunder fan, if you were Sam Presti, what's your what's your vision in the next three to five years with all these picks, all these assets, who are you shipping, who are you keeping? Yeah. So I think that we would all agree that they're going to have a tough time signing any free agents. So they have to get better through the draft and through trades. So it's kind of this happy medium of keeping your picks to actually draft those assets or holding on to them to make the necessary trades. I think some Thunder fans would be frustrated with this, but I think Lugan Stewart is actually kind of overhyped right now. And I think that there are a lot of teams that would love what is perceived to be a three and D guy, which percentage wise, he's been good from behind the line. And we saw last year that he drove hard and crazy in the playoffs, but his shot selection and I mean, he's young. So talking about his shot selection is probably way too premature, but I don't like it. He gets very aggressive at the end of the games and kind of takes bad looks and shots away from other guys. I think his value right now is pretty high, especially at the contract he's at, how young he is. I mean, they're going to, the thing is, as I mentioned, I don't, I don't know if anyone's signing an OKC. I know they have a great fan base, but what I view for them is continue to build through the draft, extend SGA once he's up for his rookie max. So you'll have him handled and then just continue to build through the draft, I think is their only way to go about it. Um, and, and just hope that they can have a few guys signed on that rookie max that are good enough and then maybe trade some of those extra picks they have for some more veteran um, players to kind of round out the team, but I don't really know if they're going to be able to sign the Paul Georges of the world that left after a year. So I don't know what their future is. These small market teams can't really miss on their picks. Well, that's why it's good that they have 400 of them. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they got lucky with the uh, Paul George Kawhi situation. What do you, what do you think you could get for Lou Dort? Cause he, I think he's like, you can get a like, first rounder. I think so too. Is he, is he like a, a million dollars a year or something? Yeah. Um, and they're, I mean, think about it like Lou Dort on the Nets. They right. would love to have him. Would. Anyone would love to have him. But they have Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's obsessed with Bruce Brown now. Um, who's the other guy? There's Bruce Brown and uh, Claxton. Yeah, well, Claxton, yeah, Claxton, who I didn't know was a lefty until a few weeks ago either. Um, all right, so those yeah, those are my takes. All right, that is part one of the Hoophead special with Kyle, Robbie, and Gabe. Make sure to tune in to part two for some more hardcore hoop talk coming for you.